Let's Talk Outdoors is recorded on the homelands of many nations, including the Cree, Soto, Assiniboine, Dene, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis nations on the Treaty 6 and Treaty 4 territories. We encourage you to always learn more about the stories of the land on which you live, work, and play. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Leah. This is Let's Talk Outdoors. Today we are talking with Skylar Hogan. Skylar is an experienced outdoors person who shares about respect, time, and adventures in nature. Skylar runs an initiative called The Moment Outdoors, focused on inspiring others to put down their digital screens and explore Saskatchewan's natural landscapes. We caught up with Skylar where he lives in Saskatoon. Skylar, welcome to the show. Um, can you tell us a little about your time growing up and any experiences or kind of pivotal moments that developed a love for the outdoors for you? Yeah, so um, I grew up uh, in Waka, which is a small town about an hour outside of the city. Um, always involved in a bunch of sports and outdoor activities. Uh, I grew up in a family that was very, uh, very rich into hunting and fishing. Um, so my mom and dad introduced me to that when I was super, super young. Like, uh, they used to take me out fishing and stuff like that when I wasn't even able to walk yet and have pictures of me all bundled up in ice fishing gear when I was probably like four or five years old and just like sticking it out in the cold, trying to catch the smallest fish or (laughs) something like that. Uh, but, um, that's like really where it all started. And as I, uh, as I got older, I just, uh, started to take on like new, new outdoor activities, um, that, uh, I, I would really just think that I would enjoy. Uh, I would always like, even if it, I was unsure about it, I would even try it out just to, just to see if I would enjoy it or whatever. Um, but, uh, I wasn't really a kid who was into like video games or anything like that. I had, I think it was like a PS2 and a Wii growing up oh, and, and yeah, they, they, data, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they collected a lot of dust. That's for sure. Um, I'd always just much rather be doing something outside, even if it was just hanging out in the backyard or playing hockey on the deck or something like that. It was just always something involved outside. So mm-hmm. you mentioned your parents as being mentors and <laughs> getting outside. You have other people who were instrumental in fought, you know, helping you get started in some of those activities and spending time with you outside? For sure. Like uh, my grandparents too, they were really big influences for me, um, getting outside and everything as well. Uh, I grew up with my sister who was a little, uh, two years older than me. And she and I shared like a lot of the same experiences and stuff like that. So we used to always just like be outside playing or something like that. So we shared like a lot of those experiences as well. Um, especially growing up, we would go like hunting and fishing together, like as a family and everything. So I would say my sister had a big influence on that as well, because as a younger brother, it'd always be looking up to my big sister and like following the stuff she did. So I'm sure if, you know, she didn't take as keen of an interest in the outdoors, then I don't think I would have either. (laughs) So yeah, it's great to have siblings and family that can do that for you. When, um, I know that there, you know, there is a push, uh, 
today, which is great for more educators and uh, parents to be getting their kids to get off the couch and get outside. What advice would you have for, for teachers and parents who are struggling to get kids off their screens and, and try getting the youth be outside, especially with winter coming here? Yeah. So um, my advice would be like to keep electronics away as long as possible. <laughs> um, I know like in a, we live in like a day Digital where, age, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's, it's, it's important for like younger kids to have like a cell phone now just to stay in contact with uh, their parents and everything. Um, but even what I do for myself is on certain apps, I have a time limit, uh, a daily time limit. And so like once I hit that time limit, they're like shut down for the rest of the day. And of course, if there's like an emergency or something like that, that I needed to go on whatever, then I'd be able to like open it up still. But I was just challenged myself not to actually open it up once that time limit hits. Um, so I definitely like would suggest something like that and <laughs> just like kick, kicking them out and letting them kind of discover it for themselves. Like jump in the leaves or like look at all the bugs and ants and just in, enjoy enjoy every beautiful thing that nature has to offer and just explore it for themselves and kind of find find it on their own so mm -hmm. I think there's this like fear of kids being bored or we're trying to prevent them from being bored and probably for adults too if you're ever in like a waiting room right there's not just people sitting around staring at the walls or making conversation and I think I think sometimes kids and myself need to be bored to find that thing to do or to get creative about what I could do in a certain situation. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, because in, in the waiting room, like you said, like I, of course, I was one who was always looking at like hunting or fishing magazines, but they, they don't have any of those anymore in the waiting room. So <laughs> that's true. Eh? <laughs> the world has that. changed. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So you mentioned doing a lot of different outdoor activities and pursuits. What are your current interests in the outdoors? Uh, I'm really big into hunting and fishing still. Um, so those are two of my like greatest passions. Um, I know I'll do it because I really enjoy it, but also um, provides a lot of food for my family and loved ones and everything. So that is just a huge bonus and really big reason to uh, for me to go outside and enjoy nature. Um, but I'm also like, I love camping. I love hiking, um, canoeing. Uh, I really love the water too. So I, uh, I have like an Arctic wetsuit and everything. So I, I, I will go like diving and as soon as the ice is off <laughs> and, uh, like just go down deep, um, and explore the waters and stuff like that too. So I do like spearfishing as well, which is how I got introduced to like the underwater world, if you will. Um, but after just like it, seeing like a whole new world under the water, it's just like a whole new appreciation for like nature and in like a different way, just because it's something that like I wasn't used to seeing and never really grew up doing. So I've, I've, I really enjoy that. That's, uh, um, that's one of the other things that I've really uh, grown to love in the last few years here. Um, and it's such yeah, a unique I'll... experience. There's so <clears throat> many Saskatchewan people that haven't got to do something like that. Absolutely. And, Self included. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of people just don't know um, 
because Saskatchewan, of course, is known for having extremely like murky water, right? So there, uh, there's a couple hidden gems in the in the province that uh, you'd be that are super clear um, that I would highly recommend if it's something that you would like to do to uh, head out to one of those lakes first, because I know it can be kind of scary to, you know, dive down under the water and you can barely see your hand if you stick it out because it's so murky. And then your mind just starts racing. And it's like, I know there's going to be like a giant (laughs) pike, like, and it's just, you know, (laughs) every horror movie comes back. Yeah, exactly. The jaws of Saskatchewan and everything. Right. So what's one of those lakes before you move on, what's one of those lakes that you would recommend that's clear water? Um, the, I'd say probably the best ones that I've been in the province is going to be the gem lakes. Um, I can't remember all of, all of the names there's, but yeah, five yeah. of them or six of them or whatever, all of them are like super, super clear. Uh, like you'd be able to see probably like 20 feet. Um, the minnows and everything are in the shallower water too. Um, so you can actually like, it's kind of cool. Cause you can like just go underneath the surface and you're just like kind of going along the weeds and everything. And you just look around and there's a whole bunch of like little minnows and stuff like that. And if you get a little bit deeper, you can get into some of the bigger schools of fish, um, which are like all, all that's in there is trout, right. Um, which is something that like a lot of people don't see because uh, Saskatchewan is more known for your typical, like uh, Jack walleye and perch. Right. Uh, so a lot of people don't have, never even seen a trout or caught one or anything. So uh, I'd say that's like a really cool place to actually like see them up close and personal too. It's just a incredible, incredible, lake. like a lot of people have related it to like the ocean in terms of clarity. I've never dived in the ocean before, so I can't relate to that, but I would say that that's definitely the number one lake in terms of clarity in Saskatchewan to check out if you're interested in that. Really neat. Yeah, that's an awesome place. I've not, <laughs> mm-hmm. not uh, dove in the lakes, but uh, I've definitely been hiking and canoeing there. I'd, I'd highly recommend jumping in. <laughs> <laughs> I might need to get the wetsuit first. Yeah, yeah. you bet. <laughs> um, this leads perfectly into one of our other questions. Um, it was about, can you tell us how you about how hunting and fishing help people connect to land and nature and the outdoors? Yeah, so... Um, Every, everybody will be a little bit different. So for me, like I'm really big in my spirituality. And so when I like step outside and there's something about like, just like being in the middle of nowhere and like not hearing any voices or traffic or anything like that, that you just find like an inner peace. And it's just like uh, really like humbling and like beautiful feeling just to just to kind of like be out there and relax and pay attention to all of the things going around you and like using all of your senses to uh, just really appreciate like how beautiful and everything like this creation of the world is. Um, So that's like probably one of my biggest like connections to um, nature. Um, And like I said, everybody's going to be a little bit different. And I think like the best way to find that is just to simply experience it and experience it in different elements. Cause, uh, there's, there's definitely like a lot of reason, um, for like anxiety and stuff when you're in nature, if you're super uncomfortable with it, or like if it's the middle of summer and a big storm rolls in or, uh, all of a sudden you're like, you're face to face with a black bear or something like that. Like there's, there's a lot of reason for anxiety. And I think that's like 
stops a lot of people into actually going out to, to experience it. Um, but as, as you become more uh, involved and connected to nature, um, I especially find that it's more of a soothing uh, feeling rather than like any sort of anxiety. And like, I, I've been like face to face with black bears and like packs of wolves and stuff like that. And um, I, I, I can't really recall all the emotions that I had when I was feeling it because it was mostly like adrenaline and everything. Uh, but, um, you know, after the fact, like I can sit back and be like, well, that was like an incredible experience that like a lot of people don't get to experience. And like, I'm like super grateful that that happened to me, you know, like, yeah. in one of your videos, you guys are horseback riding. You guys like run right into a black bear. Isn't that right? Yeah. 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 So that was up at, um, Sturgeon river ranch out, uh, by big river. Yeah. I would highly recommend doing something like that. He he's got beautiful horses and everything. And my girlfriend and I are, we're, we're already like involved with horses and everything too. Um, so like, of course we would have to go on like a backcountry horseback trip and yeah, we ran into, uh, a black bear and she actually, I can't remember if she had two or three cubs, uh, but she did have some cubs with her and, uh, yeah, it's super cool. You, you can see the bison, the wild bison in Saskatchewan on that trip. We unfortunately didn't encounter any when we were up there um, and like lots of wolves, uh, deer, moose. It's su- super cool to go to go there for sure. Yeah, it's just packed with life. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that <laughs> note, you run a really neat initiative called the Moments or the Moment Outdoors. Um, how do you decide on the locations that you go and, and places that you want to highlight? You know, it's completely random. <laughs> Um, I, I try to like stick to, um, areas close, close to home, uh, for a lot of them, but at the same time, I really love exploring new places too. Um, so like, I love going up North into the forest or like these hidden lakes and stuff like that and doing like a kind of like a minimalist camping trip or something, or like some sort of hunting or fishing trip or this past summer, um, went up to the Northwest Territories uh, to Great Bear Lake. And like Great Bear Lake is just a massive, massive lake. I think, it, I can't remember if it's the eighth or ninth largest lake in the world, but it's the biggest lake completely surrounded by uh, Canadian borders. And it's like over 1400 feet deep. And mm-hmm. we were like maybe 20 miles south of the Arctic Circle and like had a float plane drop us off on an island. And we stayed there for a few weeks and, you know, just like, enjoyed enjoyed our lives and being <laughs> away from everybody um but yeah i i just i loved going to new places and just uh seeing the differences compared to like other places that have been to and similarities to it and just creating a whole new experience in a brand new place and a whole bunch more memories <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can you tell us more about your time up north <clears throat> yeah so it was like uh my first time going up there, um, my girlfriend's dad has a little, like, uh, kind of like a trapper's cabin, if you will, on this island. Um, so yeah, we went up there, um, took a float plane out there and plane dropped this off and we didn't have too much equipment or anything like that. So we were fishing every single day and we were, uh, that, that was our, that was our meals. It was like the fish that we caught, um, it's su- super, super clear water up there. 
it was freezing cold. Yeah. And <laughs> diving uh, deep into that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually didn't. I, I, I wish <laughs> I did, but uh, I couldn't fit my wetsuit and weights in my, in my uh, bag to uh, bring up there, but it's definitely on my bucket list to go up there and dive down and everything. But it's just a, it's just kind of like a, I don't want to say like a different world or anything like that, but like kind of like a new world to me that uh, I hadn't experienced. Like I've never experienced the tundra um, or anything like that. And like just the absence of absence of trees uh, cause it's very, there's a lot of smaller trees uh, and like huge rocky cliffs that like border this massive and magnificent lake. Uh, and there's just like monstrous fish in there too. So uh, I think the world record lake trout came out of that lake. And I think it was like 72 pounds or something like that. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we didn't get into any, anything like that. Um, I think the biggest one we caught was around that 40 pound mark. Um, a couple and, meals right there though. That's still yeah, good. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I know we did, of course we didn't like eat those ones cause it's yeah. important yeah. to learn conservation. Like those bigger ones are responsible for ma- like majority of the uh, fish eggs that are released and everything because they can re- release so much more eggs as they uh, get older and bigger. Um, so we only kept like the smaller ones, maybe like two pounds, two and a half pounds. And uh, saw my first caribou when I was up there too, which was oh, super, super interesting. <laughs> We've talked to a few people about how how being outside and in an isolated space for an extended period of time, is a pretty different experience for people. How did you two find being out there alone? Um, it was, uh, it was very humbling. So, uh, I was talking about like the nature anxieties a little bit earlier, and there was definitely times when that was happening. Um, but it, it was, uh, peaceful still. So even like in the stressful situations, which I mean, like the most stressful, stressful situation we had up there was when like there was too big of waves and it was kind of like a scary boat ride back. Um, but like, it's, it's just like a different appreciation and like calming manner to, for me anyways, to be in this area completely like away from mankind and, uh, just to kind of like dig deep back to like how, um, our first ancestors would have like lived up there and, uh, just like have a totally different appreciation for, um, like that sort of living and everything. It was, it's, it's super hard to explain. I'm kind of struggling to find, uh, the right words in explaining it, but honestly, it's just like peaceful. (laughs) That's probably the best way that I could, I could describe being in a location like that. Yeah. No kidding. I can relate to what you're talking about, about having, a period of time like I think sometimes if you just pop into somewhere and pop out you don't sort of sink into that experience and that place um so what a neat opportunity to have that much time mm-hmm. spend in, a, in a place yeah it was a big like reset in like your mind and everything like that after the first few days so super super cool I, I would I would recommend some like people to do that <laughs> some some sort of thing like that for sure were there any big surprises when when you're in your time up there Um, the big, the biggest surprise was that we didn't see a grizzly bear, which I was really hoping that we would. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if many people are like that. (laughs) No, I was, I was, I was looking forward to possibly seeing like a grizzly bear, even if it was like from the plane as we were like flying in or something like that. But, uh, being in like grizzly bear country like that, I was definitely looking forward to seeing a grizzly bear. Um, we found 
a big pile of grizzly bear scat on one of the islands that uh, we had a shore launch on. And it was super interesting because there was like a full hoof in that scat that like was completely passed by this bear. And I've never seen anything like that before. Hmm. And that might be too much information or oh, like that's a great, bit gross yeah. for people, but I just found it super fascinating <laughs> that this grizzly bear ingested like the whole leg of, uh, I think it was probably like a caribou and like just completely passed through its system. Like it was still fully intact. It was just really, really cool <laughs> to me. Um, you've been to obviously some pretty cool places. What's one of the adventures that you have planned next, or is it just going to be random of how you two feel that day? Yeah. Um, I don't uh, really have anything planned. This, uh, the trip to the Northwest territories there was supposed to happen back in 2020. Uh, but COVID had put a little bit of a delay on that. So we were finally able to make it up this past summer and now don't really have like any like crazy big, uh, uh, plans in the future here just kind of going to be sticking uh close like in saskatchewan and everything and doing as much uh like hunting or fishing trips and camping trips that i possibly can and check, check off some now. new areas yeah i am in school now too it's not like yeah you're, yeah, yeah. That's <clears throat> yeah i don't have all the time <laughs> that, uh, that i wish <laughs> yeah. i had that's for sure but you're studying education as i learned um what drew you to the field of education uh, so it was always like in the uh, back of my mind there to uh, do education and everything. Um, I personally really love learning uh, and uh, feel that uh, I could uh, offer a lot on the table to students um, to give them kind of unique learning experiences and everything. Uh, so right out of high school, my intent wasn't to go into education. Um, I went into kinesiology and got a degree in that. Uh, and after kinesiology, my whole intent of studying kinesiology was to go into chiropractics. And I applied into that uh, in Minnesota and got uh, accepted and everything like that. And as I became closer and closer to um, the time that I actually had to go, um, I started to uh, kind of have like a little bit of a reality check of um am i doing this uh for the right purpose or am i doing it for the potential income that i could be making and uh, it was really hard for me to admit to myself and kind of figure that out but um i'm really glad i did because i don't have any regrets as to where i am now and um once i like started getting into the education uh part of um my degree I just started to love it more and more and had like a different appreciation for something that um, wasn't like my number one priority or like number one goal at one point in my life. So, yeah, it's neat. It's neat teaching and bringing kids out into that environment where you get to experience kind of the excitement of, of when you also experienced all those places for the first time and doing those sort of things. And I was walking with my niece and we don't spend a ton of time together. And it was like my first walk with her ever actually. And she's like eight or six or something like that. She doesn't listen to this podcast. It doesn't matter. But, uh, <laughs> she doesn't know. I don't know her age. Um, but yeah, you know, like we're walking through this park that I've walked through hundreds of times, but she stops and pulls me down. She like looks at these bugs and this mural I hadn't even noticed was there. And just like, yeah, it's neat. It's neat working with kids and even bringing them to places you've been hundreds of times before. It's a different perspective. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. At Sask Outdoors, we spend a lot of time playing and recreating and learning outdoors. So we recognize that it's important to be cognizant of the ancestral lands upon which we live and work. How do you or currently or plan to incorporate Indigenous ways of knowing history and presence on the land as an educator? Uh, one, one of the first things that I do when um, I start like one of these new adventures or something like that is gather myself in the area and say a prayer and like give thanks uh for what i'm about to go on um like pray for protection against anything that um i may be experiencing um or need um an extra encouragement or anything like that um so that's uh something that i personally do and um when it comes to like my hunting and fishing background i have always been super um I don't want to say like worried or anything but um I, I don't I don't want to offend people uh by it because not everybody agrees with it and that is completely okay um but uh one thing that I try to um encourage or uh to show through that is the amount of respect and love that I actually do have towards like the animals that I am pursuing and um I was, especially like in education, I was always like iffy about like even mentioning anything like that um, until I started talking to one of my professors about it. And he, he kind of made the point that like, um, if uh, like you're doing it in a respectful way, I don't, I don't know how to, how he uh, phrased it or anything like that. Um, but he was saying like, if uh, people shouldn't have an issue with it in the education field, because it is what like um, the indigenous ancestors have like that's how that was their way of life and it still is for um a lot of people that like that's their way of life and i never really thought of it that way and so it's just upon recently that um i've really been uh being more comfortable in like sharing these experiences that i've had um and like relating them back to indigenous knowledge and everything and a lot of the stuff um a lot of the indigenous knowledge uh, that I've learned throughout my education um, and just being out in the community and everything like that. I, I use a lot of that when I am out in nature uh, as well. And so that's something that I would also love to love to like teach uh, to the students and um, kind of kind of inspire them that like uh, nature shouldn't be like this boring or scary place. Um, it's like a, a place to like really find yourselves and like like you were saying earlier, like really connect with it. Um, and just like have kind of like that, um, holistic, um, holistic approach to it, like just filled with, uh, the indigenous knowledge. That's a beautiful answer. I'm hearing more and more about land-based education <clears throat> programs that are incorporating hunting and trapping and hide tanning and all of yeah. those things. So you have some great skills that will, that, like you say, like, um you can learn from each other in yeah. those pursuits absolutely definitely becoming less taboo you know i think in environmental circles and in, and in educational circles for sure which I'm is very, great i'm very happy for that too yeah. <laughs> so very, very excited to uh that uh i might have those opportunities in the near future here to to teach mm -hmm. others about <laughs> i mean you're going to be kind of just embarking in taking groups out and students out um 
But if you can kind of give advice for folks who are maybe just starting to go outside and starting to kind of maybe even take that next step from maybe, which is still a fantastic trip, instead of maybe camping in, you know, a, a developed area, what would be your kind of advice for someone who's really to get ready to push outside of that, um, uh, of those, I would say like easy camps, but you know, yep. less, um, less open. Uh, for sure. Camps. Yeah. yeah kind of like something more secluded or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I would say it never hurts to get a mentor or an educator, someone who is a little bit more experienced, who has um, perhaps the equipment already so that you don't have to drop a lot of money or borrow and worry about like having it break and then having to replace it anyways or anything like that. So um, finding someone who is already involved in it that can kind of show you and lead you the, the correct and safe way in something that you're not so familiar with. Uh, I don't think there's uh, any, anything wrong with that. Um, but if you really wanted to um, get out there, like kind of do it on your own and everything, um, I, hate, I hate to say it, but like YouTube is a really great source because they have like a bunch of videos on like proper equipment, um, uh, where to get it and like kind of like budget secluded camping that uh, you could learn about. And of course there's a lot of like books and stuff like that too. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think those would probably be two of the great greatest sources that uh, you, you could use in order to kind of take that next step. You can use up all your screen time apps and then you can use them up on something good. There you go. Yeah. Some, yeah. Something educational <laughs> and yeah. And then once, once it times out, then that, you know, it's time to get out there and start <laughs> you know, counting. Get going. <laughs> Cut the cord. Taking it step by step too would be like a, some, something really cool. So, I mean, like, uh, when I was a kid, um, I used to just like go out into the, the trees and like build a fort or something like that and like spend the night out there. And that kind of like introduced me that, um, even if I'm farther away from like, uh, a city or something like that and, and camping that I can do so with minimal equipment because I have been basically practicing it since I was a little kid. So, I mean, who, who cares if you're like 30 years old and you want to try it out, like go, go in your backyard with like just a tarp and set up a tent with it and sleep under the stars and like kind of challenge yourself. Like, okay, I'm only going to bring like two hot dogs to make and I'm not going to allow myself to go back in the house and get something else if I'm hungry or if I'm cold or something like that. Or, um, I want to try to start this fire with like a flint rod instead of a match or lighter or something like that. Like, like who, who cares if it's in your own backyard or something like that, just to still get out and experience it, but, um, learn and you always have that safety net of your house to fall back on if something happens and then you kind of know uh, more of what to expect when you get to like that super secluded place that you're like, that's your, that's your goal to reach to. <laughs> yeah, definitely a scaffold that <laughs> you don't want to just uh, head off into the wilderness with very little experience. So that's a great example. And, and I think, I mean, those big trips are fun and exciting and glamorous or, or adventurous, um, but that doesn't discount the value of just spending the night in your backyard or smaller or local trip that you're still learning something and getting that time out outdoors. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a tricky question for you. I'm guessing, <clears throat> but maybe not. Uh, where is your favorite place to visit in Saskatchewan? Oh, that is. Um, so I, 
don't know if I can pick like a single place. So I'm going to say like a general area being Northern Saskatchewan. Um, so like, I, I don't know, like nor- North of La Ronge. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the, the reason why I say that is just because uh, it's something completely different from what I see every day. Um, and it's also just like a super beautiful place. There's lakes all over the place that is just like filled with fish. Um, you can get into like the Rocky shield or you can get into the forest and it just has a lot to offer. There's, um, a whole bunch of like canoe routes that you can go to. There's Nestoyak falls that's up there, which is like a super beautiful place. Um, and I just think like that geographical area has a lot, a lot to offer and it's just real, really beautiful and just an amazing place up there. So that 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 area so somewhere around there is my favorite place to to go to that's good you started to narrow it down i was gonna say it's a little too vague <laughs> yeah that's good though um one one question we ask everybody at the end uh if you could change if you could change one thing about the world what would you what would that be yeah i'm, I'm really glad that you guys asked that in advance so that you gave me some time to think about um and the first thing <clears throat> that i had thought of was uh, to have people accept others for who they are. Um, and the reason why I thought of that is to, uh, you know, like kind of get rid of the hate and get rid of the bullying um, and like have no judgment upon others um, for, for any, any, anything like uh, that makes people different, if you, if you will. Um, but when I started to actually think about that more, um, I decided that I would uh, change people to accept themselves instead in the hopes that their, their acceptance and like confidence in themselves would then help them to accept others as well. And then just go down the line of, you know, get, of the no hate and no bullying and no judgment sort of thing. So I, I would change people to accept and love themselves for who they are. Wow, thank you for that thought you put into that question. <laughs> is there is there anything else you want to add as we wrap up? Anything you wish that we had asked you that we didn't ask you? I would say like if you're going to be going um, somewhere that you're unfamiliar, it's definitely a uh, something to to uh, to do would be like research the area first. Uh, you don't you don't want to be like uh, like blindfolded into this area and really not know what to expect um i would strongly suggest like having some sort of like uh navigational skills or orientation skills uh just because it is super super easy to get lost in um in those places and uh i would also like use use up some of your screen time or something like that in what to properly do if you encounter uh, some sort of wild animal of some sort, like a like a bear or a pack of wolves or a mountain lion or something like that. Um, because like I said, like uh, it could give a lot of anxiety and everything like that. But I mean, gen- generally they're, they're just curious animals. And um, if you can kind of like work past the frightening emotions, then uh, you could really just appreciate uh, having like such a close encounter with one of these animals and just kind of have like more of a holistic approach to it of peace instead of fright. I'm going to need to watch a lot of videos for that to happen for me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
no, that's, that's fair. Uh, I, there's one time, like I have, um, I have a lot of bear stories, uh, but there was one time that I was hunting with my girlfriend and, um, I know that she doesn't have as much experience with bears. And one of the bears started to climb the tree that we were sitting in. And, uh, that was, that was one of the times I was, I was more scared, um, just more for her because I could feel her freaking out and everything. Uh, but yeah, pe- people just, um, experience like those things differently. And like I said earlier, if, uh, if you're the more you experience it, then the more comfortable you are with it. So, yeah. And there's absolutely. lots of resources, as you mentioned, yeah, absolutely. These things yeah. and people who would <clears throat> happily take you along on their sure. adventures. Absolutely. Yeah, you may be getting some emails after this now. <laughs> well, I hope so. I'd be <laughs> happy to uh, happy to ask or answer any questions or anything. And like one of the things that I love to do is uh, take new new people out, like hunting or fishing, something that uh, people have always wanted to try or anything like that, or if they just wanted to tag along just to experience it. Um, I love uh, giving people that that opportunity and uh, sharing it. That is excellent. I'll reach out to you. you know, Perfect. My, yeah. Perfect. Help me with my class. It'd be great. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Skylar, thanks so much for spending time with us tonight. Appreciate catching up with you and um, yeah, hearing all about what you're doing. It's very neat. Well, yes. Thank, uh, thank you guys. I really appreciate your time and having me on here. It's been really, really enlightening for me. So thank you. Mike, what was one of your takeaways from our conversation with Skylar? While Skylar was talking about uh, the right idea to use a mentor, um, they're kind of first times going out into different places, whether that's to borrow gear for them to literally join you in the space. I kept thinking back to all the times I've brought my class out or I've gone to a new place for the first time. And yeah, I've totally done the same thing. I've relied on an older, wiser teacher um, who has that experience in that in that place um, and how beneficial that's been to me and my program and uh, and to the kids in the future because it does you no good, does the kids no good to have someone out there who who doesn't know what they're doing. So um, having that voice and that that experience out there with you is such a valuable asset to any trip. Leo, what was one thing you took away from our conversation with Skylar? I thought a lot about his convers- comments around screen time. I'm the parent parent of a newly minted teenager. And so screen time is a challenging parenting dilemma as of late. And I I see the value in screen time when it's used responsibly. Um, but I also see the value in limiting screen time, which my 13-year-old does not agree with often. Uh, so it was nice to have that that validation and confirmation that yes, that you know, Skylar talked about using screens for a purpose and then putting them away. And so I think that that's a message that um, I can use personally and that I will continue to try to instill in my children. 